Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like My First Million, hosted by Sam Parr and Sean Puri. My First Million features guests like Gary Vee and Sofia Amoroso sharing their secrets for how they made their first million and how to apply their learnings to capitalize on today's business trends and opportunities. I recently enjoyed listening to Sam and Sean talk with Anand Sunwal, CEO and co-founder of CB Insights, about how Anand built his companies, the importance of data, small business niches that are growing, and so much more. Listen to My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to CEO School. Good morning, ladies. This is Sanira Madani, your host, and I am so, 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 so excited. I know I say this every week that I'm really excited for today's episode, but truly, we have never had on such experts specifically in like the product-based category. So if you are an entrepreneur that has a physical product, that is launching something, that has an idea for a product, you do not want to skip today's episode. We have two incredible guests and experts in the house, Jacqueline Snyder and Mina Konlu Citep, who are founders of the Product Boss podcast. And guess what? This is my first time actually doing a collaboration as a with fellow HubSpot network podcasters and so podcast hosts. So Mina and Jacqueline have an incredible uh, podcast called the Product Boss Podcast. So if you are a entrepreneur in the product-based category, um, definitely go subscribe to their show. And they're also part of our beautiful, beautiful HubSpot network. And you all know how much we love HubSpot and every show that honestly is in the HubSpot network is so incredible. So without further ado, I'm so excited to welcome Jacqueline and Mina to the show. Welcome, ladies. Yay. So Hi, welcome. to be here. Oh my God. I'm so excited. We're just talking about the fact that we're going to do a jam-packed 25 minutes, all things products. I'd love to hear your stories on how you got started in this and, um, you know, what you guys do. What is the Product Boss Podcast? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So we help physical product-based business owners. So that is sort of the space when we started this, we were listening to podcasts and we always felt like we had to flip the information for service-based to product-based. You know, everyone's like, oh, grow your email list, put out an opt-in, have, you know, a downloadable. And we're like, "Mm, doesn't work for product. And nobody was talking in product-based language with shipping, inventory, um, cost of goods, manufacturing. And so 
What? Yeah. I <laughs> so, agree. Yeah. So it's like we always felt like we had to flip the information and we ourselves are product bosses. And so um, we were like, you know what? There are other people out there that need to be spoken to. And that's really what started the podcast. So my background, we're both first generation Americans, um, both first to go to college in our families. For me, my background is I went to typical like a UC and then transferred to art school because luckily my parents were entrepreneurs and they really kind of um, – supported that. And I went to school to become a fashion designer, have my bachelor's in fine arts and was hired out of school. I actually used to live in Miami. I designed for Cosabella, which is an Italian lingerie company. And then I was hired back to LA by a celebrity to work for her company. Um, and then actually went out on my own at 26 and started a fashion design consulting firm. So I would, um, basically conceive design, develop, and produce people's clothing lines. And I've produced over a thousand brands. So I like to say 999 more apparel and accessory brands than most people. Um, And then in that time, I also said, well, if I'm doing this for other people, I can do it for myself. So I started Cuffs Couture back, back like 10 years ago. And it was a wearable wrist wallet, sold globally, had, um, you know, celebrities like Kim Kardashian and Carrie Underwood wear, wear my products. But then I had two kids and I had Designer Consulting Co-op, which was my company. And I was like, you know, there's only so much I can do. Um, so I ended up focusing just on the consulting company until I met Mina when we started The Product Boss. But I'll let Mina jump into her story. Yeah. Um, we started The Product Boss because we were lonely. Right. I think when um, I definitely. (laughs) We all know um, the feeling too well. (laughs) Yeah. I come from the background of traditional education, really strict Asian household. Um, I have my MBA in my um, bachelor's of advertising, but I did not learn how to be a business owner. But I knew I never wanted to work for anybody else. So I never really worked for anybody else besides when I first graduated from college, worked my way through, you know, getting my MBA. And then when I started my businesses, um, I actually own a labels company with my husband. So we started Lil Labels, which we sell primarily on Amazon. It's waterproof labels for baby bottles. And Mm -hmm. um, I realized that entrepreneurship is really lonely and being a mom is really lonely. So that was when we found each other was Jacqueline was going to liquidate Cuffs Couture. I was doing really well on Amazon and we became really fast friends because we had a shorthand already. We we had the same problems of inventory, shipping. I think that when you find a community that really understands you know, this, the worries that keep you up at night, then it makes all the difference. And with us, we found each other and we have the same love language, product, entrepreneurship, and business. And so we, you know, and we had two kids that were similar in ages and things like that. And that's really how the product boss was born. And it started with that friendship that became a podcast and us just feeling like there's got to be other people out there that really feel that same void in their lives of, you know, having to worry about the boxes that are just sitting there in their living rooms or their basements and their bootstrap too. And, um, and we've grown our businesses to multi six figure to millions of dollars, you know, so we really started from nothing though. So we really believe in starting some, uh, we really believe that you can start something from nothing. And that is really what our value is. And, um, and we've created a community around that. I am so I'm so excited that you guys are here because I think you're exactly right. You know, I find that even myself when I'm speaking to entrepreneurs in, at the CEO school, I do have to toggle between service based, product based, and even SaaS, right? Because it's, it's still um, like all these different industry types, and I try to make sure that I think that some of the things that we discuss are applicable to you know scaling in business, right? And you know, people and profit and performas and 
you know, just the struggles of entrepreneurship, but there are specific things that are just so pertinent to every industry vertical, every industry type and product base being one of them. And just the growth in entrepreneurship, uh, you know, due to, you know, amazing technology tools like Amazon and Shopify that have made it ever so easy. I don't want to say the word easy, but have made it accessible to create a business from nothing. And so I do think that we're living in a time that truly anyone can become an entrepreneur if they wanted to. And uh, I'm so excited to hear about, you know, tell me, tell us like some of the, like the biggest things that, you know, you guys find that product-based business owners struggle with. What are some things that, you know, you have um, recommendations for, for them? So I'd love to talk about some of the challenges within the product-based industry. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we contend against um, are other coaches out there, especially because Etsy is one of the easiest platforms for people to get on initially, right? Like it's a platform to reach customers immediately. You can sell, you don't have to build your own website. You don't have to deal with transactions, any of it. Right. But the thing about that platform and specifically is that they teach people to make more, more products, more products have all the things, right? And people think more is more, or if I just throw spaghetti at the wall, then I'm going to catch more customers. So let's say someone starts out a soap co- company um, and they, they're known for soaps, but they start to make bath bombs and creams and spritzes and oils and all of these other things. Typically, they start to make a lot of things that cost them a lot of money, right? We've got raw goods, production, and then ultimately products are sitting on the shelves. It's cash sitting on your shelves. What our framework is and our method is that we really lean into figuring out what people's best sellers are. So typically, a lot of times when you start a company, the best way to do it is to find a niche. Totally, totally right. But we bring up the Juicy Couture tracksuit a lot because if anyone remembers the 90s, right? In 97, I owned a pair of Juicy Couture jeans, like denim that I bought at Fred Siegel. It was a whole thing. Nobody really knew the brand. But then as soon as Britney Spears started wearing, you know, the pink zip ups and Paris Hilton and all that stuff, then they blew up on these velour tracksuits and they had to keep making them in more colors, more styles, more variations. That's the thing that ultimately had them. They sold their company off of. So what happens here is I think one of the biggest issues that we see are product based people think that they have to make more things instead of getting niche and being known for something in the market. And so one of the first things we teach them is their bestseller, how to find it, how to be known for something. And then um, we've seen people catapult their businesses just from focusing in versus spreading themselves too thin. Yeah, I agree. We teach them the 80-20 rule when it pertains to product-based businesses. So 20% of your products create 80% of your revenue. And what does that look like? I think that we get caught up in what other people are doing a lot of times because the accessibility of seeing social media or seeing other businesses that are big box or have the money or anything like that. But small businesses need to go deep and not wide. So the 80-20 rule is a really great way for them to put themselves on the map and not spread themselves too thin, thinking that more product equals more revenue. That's where we see a lot of people trip up because they're thinking, ooh, I can be Dagny Dover even, or I can be, you know, Target or, you know, the the people that are further along in their journeys where we try to focus them on this is your path to profit. What does that look like? What does your idea of success look like? And let's get you there by focusing on the 80-20 rule, your best sellers, in order to scale that because you need to start that initial snowball of sales, that initial snowball in order to create that momentum because you don't have the time, energy, or money to spread yourself too thin. And it's been amazing. Um, we've see, We have so many students that have grown with this method going from 
zero to six figures to multimillion, like we said, and they're all bootstrapped. Our community tends to be ones that start from their garages or basements or um, in their living rooms, myself included, right? And, and Jacqueline too. So it's been a really wonderful thing to see that they can use this framework and really grow even, you know, to the point of being solopreneurs as we all start to a, a small but mighty team and then maybe a bigger team after that if that's a, it's, if that's what they choose. I love it. I, I totally agree with like the methodology that you guys are sharing. Even at CO School, you know, something we talk about is like the hero product. And I do believe 100% in focus. And I think as like female entrepreneurs, I don't know about you or uh, I definitely see it. I think that we're so, we have so much FOMO and that competitive, like we're looking at, um, you know, our, our perfectionism as well as our comparison, like is what kills us. And we're trying to do everything for everyone. And it's never, we're never going to be able to, it's going to take so much effort to try to like boil the ocean. And that's what I find most female entrepreneurs are trying to do is boil the ocean with their products and services even versus staying so focused on, you know, what truly is their value add, their differentiator. And especially in a world right now, you brought up a good point on like the Etsy platform. Um, I mean, there's a lot of competitors, right? And so we're in a world that the entrepreneurship is so accessible, but it's also driving I mean, you know, there isn't there isn't a single business idea that I could say that it's like the most unique thing. Like it, it doesn't happen anymore, right? There's there's a competitor for every single product. So now more than ever, it's important to stand out. So I'd love to get your expertise on how you're advising these small product-based businesses to really stand out in comparison to all the bells and whistles of those big boxes. Yeah, I usually say, and this has been my saying for a while, you can't reinvent the wheel, but you can redesign it. Right. Okay. So I like that. We're not, I mean, there's inventions, sure, but very few of us are actually, you know, we have someone who created this uh, new hat rack and um, they're called Dome Dock and they're really cool. It's like this simple, simple shape that you could stack all of your hats on. So the hat rack is just re redesigned, not reinvented. But Mina, do you want to take that to start? Yeah, I think that, you know, we get caught up in how am I going to stand out? Why would somebody buy my candle versus another candle, right? And we tend to think as product people, I know I'll lower my price, right? We think that our customers are mm. like price shopping out there and it is just not true. That is a race to the bottom, even whether you're on Amazon, Etsy, wherever you are in person, when really it is about much more than the product, everything around the product, the emotions that you're, you know, uh, evoking in them. So I was just thinking about this this morning, actually, because we came up with this, you know, bow tie. What is, you know, for for product-based businesses, there is... Um, it's like a funnel, but we yeah, there's, there's no funnels. Funnel. Our funnels are not in our, our vocabulary. So we reinvented that funnel to show people visually how they will grow their businesses. So I was just thinking about that this morning when I was looking at that bow tie, and I was thinking, how do they stand out from the competition? Because it's the first part of our bow tie, so perfect timing. And it really is about being memorable. But how are you memorable? And I think that when you start to get in the first part of that bow tie, is you always start with lots of products and then you test and try to quote unquote validate what that product is, right? I don't like to say the word validation, but that's really what it is because sometimes we lose people in thinking, oh, I need to validate this thing because all it is, is feedback. It's feedback on your customers. And then with the feedback, you come up with a differentiation. So for example, when you're starting to hear the stories and we tell our students, when you hear it, mirror it. 
So for example, when you hear somebody say, I really like these because these candles have soy versus this other company that has toxic waxes or whatever. So when you hear that, you mirror it. Next person that comes in, you say, oh, you know what makes ours so great, what makes ours so different, is that we're not like those other guys that use those toxic waxes. We are the ones that are using the soy ones that are burning for this amount of hours. The same goes with emotions. People will buy for emotion and desire. So whatever reason you need to connect the dots for them is going to be your differentiator. The problems you're solving for them, the emotions you're triggering for them, the story you're blending around, everything around the product is really how you're going to stand out. That is the reasons why people are buying versus price and even versus product. It's not about specs. It's not even about benefits anymore. It's really about the story and the emotions and the desire that you're bringing in to really bond your customer with you um, because that will really make you stand out in that process. So it really is about connecting with your customer on a deeper level. And it all starts with that initial feedback. So I know that sounds a little bit scary and maybe daunting to get to know your customers so much more, but really it starts with just that initial feedback and listening and being a good listener of that. It's time to get out of spreadsheets. With HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your team stays in sync across the customer journey. Track your contacts and customers, send personalized emails in bulk, and get the context you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and your customers at scale, all from one powerful platform. It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one, so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. There's no better time to get organized. Get started for free at HubSpot.com today. I love that. I think that's so true. I mean, people don't buy products. They buy truly because they feel that connection to the product. And even the companies, people don't buy like software or things like that because of the, of they buy, they buy from people, they buy from emotion. So I fully, fully agree. I have a follow-up here. So once you kind of have that, you know, that connection, that story, that builds, your brand is great. It's, you've, you have that niche, you're, you know, you, you're listening and mirroring and, you know, taking that feedback. How do you actually, you know, get in front of your customers, right? So what are the biggest like marketing tips that are like you're, you know, what are you telling your students in 2023 right now? So if I have a product-based company, I'll tell you my, we literally have the best merch for CEO school. Yet I took it all down because I have no time to actually go through and like treat this like a business. And this is a whole business and I don't, I didn't have time for it. So I literally pulled it down. So I would love to get your, like your marketing take on, is it TikTok? Is it, you know, is it SEO? Is it Facebook ads? Like how are we driving visibility to the sale for the product? Once that whole initial, you know, piece of it is checked off, what's next? Yeah. Great question. Um, and also love your merch. So I was so impressed when you like came out with the boxes and all the things because we've been following. And I took it down. You should take it. I literally took it all down. <laughs> Everyone is like send, sends me so many DMs like where our journals are not even available right now because I just I've gone. Obviously, I'm going through like a huge transition with like, you know, um, my, you know, just changing my life around right now. Yeah. So uh, well, nobody I, that's the thing. Nobody gets how intense it is to have a product-based business. We right? have a warehouse. It's just like yes. sitting there. There's so much. And we we literally launched. We have like amazing merch that we just use for like 
decorations everywhere. But oh, we can't get so it. cute. We can't, we can't get them out. We so, can have a whole yeah. conversation with you about Amazon. So, yes. so here's what we teach. So, okay, we have our signature program called Voltai Stream Machine, which which I'm is ironic notes. because what? I'm taking notes. Okay, ready <laughs> now. So when we first started, when we first met, remember we were friends and we were talking business, and I was speaking at the LA Textile Show, and they asked me to do a panel, and. Mina was my friend at that point. I was like, what should we talk on? And we're like, oh, the idea about um, how millionaires are millionaires because they have seven streams of income, right? And we thought the same thing for product-based businesses. Usually, typically, we'll start with one platform. People will find it, whether it's in person, they're selling wholesale, they're on Etsy, they've started a Shopify site, they're selling on Instagram. There's one platform that typically we'll go to initially to be our main sales channel. So that's typically where a lot of people start. Mina and I, while there's Facebook ads, and we run a lot of them, um, but we don't always recommend it initially for startups, especially for bootstrap startups, right? It's a lot of money to put out in ads to make your return because they also have the cost of goods and production and all the things. So what we teach in multi-stream machine is that we want to multiply your visibility and your sales by getting you in front of other people's audiences, by getting you on other platforms, other sales channels, that's going to actually increase your visibility. So what we teach typically is there is a systems component within it. So making sure you're priced correctly with the right margins, having the right inventory, photo shipping, all the things. But what we'll do is, and when you're asking me what is the right channel, the question is, is where are your customers hanging out? So obviously there's a social media component. But, Mina's but, I, but I want to back up a little bit. I want to apply it to the merch since we have that example right in front of us. So for you, if I if we were to coach you, we would say, let's look through that merch and see what your best seller is. Let's see if people let's are do DMing it, you. He literally what, just brought out. We, we, you we literally just have them around the studio. This one, this one's like, okay, they're not so even out yet. It says mom and mom, I am a rich man. I want one. Yes. So Girls out of all of those, funds. which one is it that you that, that they've been dming you about um we haven't even say, put them out i would okay. say the best seller is probably the journal the journal okay. y'all tell okay. me okay look, look, look. so that's where we're at it. is we would coach you on being around the journal so right now you're feeling overwhelmed because you're trying to do all the things all in all the places but let's take it back a little and go with the best seller so the best seller okay. is the journal right yes. and so imagine if you could build stories around the journal talk about their journal, go on different platforms. So when Jacqueline is saying, we teach you how to get onto multiple platforms, when people are saying diversify for for um, for employees or even for service space, it's, if, it's daunting because it feels like you have to be everywhere to everyone. But we teach you, you start with your best sellers. So that means diversification means getting in front of more places, like Jacqueline said, with your best sellers, starting with your best sellers. And, uh, and so that means marketing channels and sales channels. So for you, if you were to take your journal and put it onto Amazon, right? That would be much easier than trying to do all the things. We know people who have multi-million dollar businesses with having one product on Amazon, right? And then you are dialing that in because you already know that already sells. You already have the stories around it. You already know that that is great. Also wholesale. Right. Let's say you start selling a wholesale. Well, that creates a win win um, scenario for everybody, because like Jacqueline said, you know, you're getting in front of the right people, but you're in wholesale. You're creating a partnership. So Jacqueline and I will usually teach from, you know, paid, organic and partner. So that's kind of what we're teaching for for marketing and visibility. It's like, is it emails? Is it social media? What is it? Like she said, where are your customers for you? I think your customers are probably on Instagram and on your podcast. You know, or through your, yeah, and in your email list. list, Yeah, so you would focus on 
really making those great, but really honing in those stories of your bestseller first. It's the, we like to say it's like the Beyonce of Destiny's Child. There's a reason why people are magnetized towards Beyonce or Justin Timberlake when everybody thought maybe it should be JC, right? Whatever it is, there's the bestseller of your, you know, group of merch. In your case, it's the journal is the Mick Jagger of your Rolling Stones. You lead with that always to get in front of more people and you create that magnetism, that memorableness, that, you know, that those emotions that are already naturally coming. And you just get better at telling the stories, showcasing the people using the journal, um, making sure your pricing is really correct on there, making sure that you have the um, it, a lot of inventory of those. You never should run out of those journals yeah. is what I'm saying. And then if that works, you don't come out with more merch. You could create bundles. I hear you on. I hear you on. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I think we've got the audience. I think yeah. we've got. Like, I mean, I think we've got the story. I like all of that is is Chuck. So what platform do I go to? Right. right? So like so from you, a fulfillment, you shipment, don't do like that's the overwhelming part. I mm-hmm. feel like I think there's there's two parts to it, right? So I think for you're you're in your early stages and building out that product, knowing that customer. But once you have that, how do you determine? where to actually place your product. What are you guys seeing as experts as like the best bang for your buck, best tools that you guys are like suggesting? I'd love to kind of get into the actual revenue side of like, or like operation side of what you recommend. Yeah. So for example, for you, if we were coaching you, Amazon FBA would be great because you would just ship it in. You would just have to do the marketing. They would do all the fulfillment, the returns, the sales, the customers are there. Plus if you do ads on Amazon, people will discover you, right? And you could start with just your journal. For Plus, example, if you're open to it, you know, some people are not open to Amazon. Amazon is going to be, they've said themselves that they want to sell everything to everybody, right? Wow. So when, um, when people come to Amazon, it's a purchasing platform, meaning when they're on Google, they're there to search. When they're on Amazon, they're there to buy. So yes. 80% of the people that are there end up making the purchase within two weeks on Amazon. So they're there. They know that they want to buy something, right? Whether or not immediately or in two weeks, because it's a platform of convenience, right? And more than, I think it's now like something crazy, like 80% of American households have um, Amazon Prime. So being on Amazon would be really easy because you would never have to worry about it besides that big giant box of inventory you're sending into them and they handle all the customer service. So for example, if somebody's like, I got a damaged one, then Amazon handles all that customer service for you. It's not That's you. That's amazing. It feels like, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even have thought to do Amazon first, right? So I think like part of the you know, uh, is owning that whole experience end to end. And you don't have to, like, you don't have to overcomplicate it. What kind of percentages do does Amazon take? 15%. They, so they take 15%. I know people kind that's of. That's nothing. It's yeah, a, it do is the nothing. Fi- Imagine that's no nothing. marketing. <laughs> that's nothing. Okay, done and done. That is like the easiest money we've ever made at CEO School, yes. by the way. So right. thank you. This, yeah. yeah. So not everyone's going to align with that, right? There are people out there that can't keep up with that production or or maybe Amazon's not the way they want to go. So the thing that I'm seeing and like a higher level strategy but, is everything's But why? Too. Why would people not choose it? For there that. are people who want that are really anti-Amazon. They're anti-Amazon. <laughs> okay. They think they're going to get knocked off. They can't keep okay. up with the manufacturing because once you start to scale that – you don't ever want your Amazon to run out of product. Like you but need you to have keep the audience, it. so there's probably yeah. going to be some leeway in there. Uh, Amazon would be great for you simply because you already have an audience. You can push your own sales, and you can cre- create that initial snowball immediately. You don't have to do anything for yeah. people who may not have that. What, right. what would you recommend? That. 
there's, there's a lot of things. Cause I'm a startup expert. People would say, Oh, I'm going to build a website. Well, if you yep. build it, they're not necessarily going to come. So the question will be is how are you going to get people there? Are you going to run ads? Because we have a company that made a million dollars in their first 10 months, um, making pacifiers. So like $18 pacifiers, million bucks, um, they ran ads, but they also did really well on TikTok because on TikTok, moms were looking for ways to like take care of their babies, right? And so they did partnerships on there. So this is that paid organic um partnership type thing. Um, they did partnerships, they had other people spreading spreading viral content. So I think when you're thinking about it, the thing from the omni-channel perspective right now is that we've always taught multi-channel. So multiple channels, getting in front of other people's audiences. Like if you sell wholesale and I walk into a boutique, I'm going to discover new products. So I didn't have to pay for that marketing. I just had to make the deal with the retailer. Um, the other side of the omni-channel part is that everything is kind of working together. So if I'm in a retail shop, I might go look you up on Instagram. Can I buy off of Instagram? Can I also find you in the retail shop? Now, let's say I order online. Can I return to the retail shop? So there's lots of ways now that people are, are it's, there's, there's less boundaries between all the places we're shopping and all the places we're finding awareness, including if we're going to work with collaborators or influencers or do some sort of partnership, what I'm finding is that more people are buying, not the beautiful posed pictures with the art, with the uh, models, for example, they actually want to see user generated content. They would rather see real people using your products. And if you're going to run ads, you're going to, you're going to put that anywhere on social use real people. Cause they're starting to trust real people more than they're trusting typical marketing that we're doing. Oh, a hundred percent. I think every single night I like, I'm so I'm, I'm that targeted mom that like all my reels on Instagram only show like, like household organizing products right now that like, and it's, it's all the moms using the products. It's not anything fancy or from the companies. It's literally like a stupid egg holder that is like in the fridge, but she's actually like using it and organizing her fridge with the egg. So a hundred percent, that is our consumer like buying behavior. And I think that sometimes as like business owners, we forget, um, and I'm sure you see this all the time, is that the we have to also like, we have to understand how our customer buys. We've not had a product growth expert here and I would love to invite you back on the show again to deep dive again on, maybe we could do the part two. We'll, we'll, we'll trial the CO school planners on Amazon and maybe we can come back and reshare how, like how that goes. Um, so we should definitely have you back and I'm definitely going to reach out to you to come into our CO school workshops as, as well. Cause we've got hundreds of entrepreneurs that are in this sector and I'd love for you guys to share your expertise or at least drive them to the product boss for sure. So thank you so much, Jacqueline and Mina, for being here today. I love y'all's friendship. Entrepreneurship is lonely and it is. And I feel like I made two new friends today. So thank you for that. Where can we find you? Um, We'll link everything in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah. So you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, we are the product boss everywhere. So typically we're more on Instagram, trying the TikTok and YouTube thing, but come hang out with us on Instagram. Um, and then we'd love to give you all the bow tie formula that Mina is talking about. So if you head to the productboss.com slash CEO school, you can download that. And then you can kind of see what we're talking about when we're talking about where you start finding your bestseller and then where you can grow from there. Amazing. Thank you so much for all the knowledge and wisdom. I'll see you guys next week at CEO School. Hey, everyone. It's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. 
We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Billion Dollar Moves, hosted by Sarah Chen Spellings. Join venture capitalist and strategist Sarah Chen Spellings as she asks the hard questions and learns through the triumphs, failures, and hard lessons of the creme de la creme so you too can make billion-dollar moves in venture, in business, and life. I recently enjoyed listening to Sarah share a discussion on the ethics of AI, finding inspiration, and executing that founder's vision while finding purpose along the way even post-exit with the global pioneer of emotional AI, Rana L. Kalubi. Listen to Billion Dollar Moves wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game-changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today, and remember nothing bad happens when women make more money. <laughs>